Hello, you are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Life Series, Part 2, by Tattooed Laura on AO3. Rating, General Audiences. Chapter 7, Punch. They were knee-deep in trash talk by seven that night, and eyeball-deep in the special punch by nine. Mulder purposely did not sit beside Scully, knowing the liquor would only fuel his non-appropriate touching of his partner. And with that many others present, he didn't want to be run from the house by a bunch of drunk, umbrella-wielding grannies with a purpose. Scully, for most of the same reasons, chose to sit across the table and didn't question when he took the seat opposite her. Problem was, his long legs found her. Granted, It wasn't until he was a good dozen sheets to the wind, but still able to put together an impressive run that his foot came in contact with her. All bets were off, so to speak, at that point. His sock toe running along her trim ankle bone, the edge of her pants, the parabolic curve of her gym. Wait. She arrived at Maggie's wearing sweatpants that stopped at the knees. His vague recollection being she had refused to put real pants on because they'd just be sleeping there anyways and no one cared what she wore. She also left her shoes at the door. Shifting focus from his cards to his partner, he saw her still looking down, intent on remembering numerical order. A glance sideways revealed Lillian with a sizable grin on her face, discreetly pointing to her right, mouthing, one more that way, while she rearranged her cards in an attempt not to laugh. His overly loud thank you brought the table to a halt. Maggie questioning him. Fox? Swiping his head in her direction. Sorry, I was just thanking Lillian for telling me where Scully's leg was under the table. Plowing ahead. Apparently, I've been rubbing the wrong ankle for the last few... Seconds? Minutes? His face contorted to embarrassed. It's only been a second, right? It feels like seconds. Please, Scully. I'm sorry. It's only been a second. Having had absolutely no idea that there was a conversation happening and her ankle was the main talking point, she looked up at the sound of her name, doing her best to refocus on human instead of spade. What? Lillian quietly slid Scully's glass towards Maggie. I think she needs some more punch. Oh, please no. My tongue went numb a half hour ago. Sticking out to survey the blue end, you should not let me have any more of anything because I cannot feel my tongue and I'd probably spill it if I tried to drink. The sentence structure was there, and she was proud of that, but when everyone began gently chuckling, she surveyed them blearily, eyebrows scrunched in mock reprimand. What? Why are you laughing? Mulder raised his hand like he was seven again, then leaned back in his chair, pointing at her with floating fingers. It's because you've lost your contractions. Once you get really sauced, you stop using... apostrophes, shit, those hanging things that make words shorter and less longer. Suddenly gazing into his cup, what the hell is in this punch? Betty stood, poured Scully some more, then handed her a straw from the counter. Try this, hun. Scully tentatively sucked, then making sure to swallow before she spoke. It is a straw. I love straws. My tongue is numb, but the muscles of my throat are not, and my cheeks know just what to do 
and I can suck up the punch and not dribble it back out. Giving the table a happy smile. Physics is fun. Janet gave Maggie a look. Think we should cut them off after this? Definitely. Shaking her head, looking around her straw. Do not talk about cutting. I've cut enough people up this week and do not want to do any more cutting. Losing, then recapturing the straw. Also, no one say anything about butter knives. Mulder captured both of her feet in his, forgetting there were witnesses. Hey, no one's doing any cutting tonight, I promise. He's dead, and we don't have to worry about him anymore. Leaning across the table, he took her cup and put it down, taking her hands in his. Look at me, Scully. Look at me. Once she did, her eyes swimming in liquor and hanging on his every word. We're playing cards, and we're at your mom's house, all right? Parker was way back in Wyoming, two cases ago. So he's already been buried and can't hurt anyone again, I promise. Remember? I shot him myself. Untangling one hand, she gently tapped her forehead. Right here. Right there. One shot. No mess. Dead before he hit the ground. Suddenly she took in a deep breath, chuffing it out quickly before nodding. He will not hurt me or anyone again. Holding on to his hands a second longer, she gave him a secret smile. All I need is a diamond six, and I'm going to win this hand. First to recover from the last sobering minute, Ruth looked over at Scully's cards. Dana, you don't even have the right number of cards in your hand, and you aren't collecting diamonds at all. Pulling back to sit upright, she stared at the table. Well, son of a bitch. Tension broke for the most part. They continued on. Maggie switching her daughter to water seamlessly, while Mulder twined his feet in the rung of Scully's chair, and she climbed her toes up his shins until she was resting comfortably on his thighs. Playing with one hand while massaging her instep with the other, he lost every round for the next 40 minutes, until he watched in slow motion as Scully's head drifted to the tabletop, settling gently on the hardwood. Ellie gave him a smile, and turning Scully slightly so she wasn't breathing in oak, whispered over to Maggie, Should we put these two to bed? Off in his own Scully world by now, hear the word bed drift in, and blinking slowly, focus his mouth to form the word hammock before licking his lips, tired from his lengthy speech. Maggie nodded. Yeah, we should get them to bed. Ruthie, if you could go get the comforter, I'll run up for the pillows. Soon, with the considerable help of the rest of them, Mulder and Scully were bundled in the hammock, tangled together, breathing deep and soundly asleep. Back at the table, the game continued. Punch exchanged for water and coffee. Talk less boisterous than before. Does Dana ever tell you about her cases? Maggie shook her head. Very rarely. She slips sometimes, like tonight, but normally, she keeps me well away from their work. Do you know if that man hurt her? Fox said something that makes me think he did. Did she mention anything to you? Looking each woman in turn, Dana doesn't tell me things like that unless the injuries are visible. Even then, only when I demand an answer. Sometimes, it's not worth the look in her eye to find out where the bruise came from or why she's moving a little slower than usual. Look in her eye? Maggie shuffled the pile of cards in her hand, slowly dealing them out. The pleading look, begging me to shut the hell up and talk about the grandkids instead or how the garden is growing. There wasn't any sort of appropriate response to her statement, 
and none tried to give any, knowing from the hence few and far between that her daughter skirted the line of life and death daily, no need to delve further when fear was a constant state. Instead, Lillian to the rescue. So, Maggie, want to fight me for the last donut? None of them could chase away the butter, knife, and bullet conversation, however, regardless of the lighthearted small talk, and soon the game broke up. Leftover punch, the tablespoon still in the pitcher, poured down the drain, before good nights said and hugs were given. Once the house was empty, Maggie wandered to the back porch, standing over her Dana and Fox, the lightest of touches moving hair from foreheads and tucking in blankets. Scully opened her eyes just as Maggie silently watched and not sure whether she was dreaming or not, met her mother's dark eyes. My tongue's still numb. Feeling instantly better about the world, Maggie nodded down at her daughter. You'll be fine in the morning. Good night. Night, Mama. Chapter 8 Friday Skelly was truly glad it was a cloudy morning. The sun at this moment in her life would have killed her. Instantaneous, eyeball-burning, and brain-busting dead in the hammock. How the hell did they get to the hammock? And her tongue still felt numb. Screw it. She was going back to sleep. Then the neighbor fired up his lawnmower. Mr. Delphine was a lovely man 99.9% of the time, but right now, she was going to mulch him to death with his own machinery. At least after a minute, he moved to his front yard, reducing Scully's unqualified hatred to functional levels. I'm going to kill whoever the hell that is. Before the conversation could occur, the mower was back, and being the good boy he was, Mulder shifted hands to cover her ears, holding them mercifully closed until the mower disappeared again. True love means holding your woman's ears closed to deafening sounds while your own head throbs like the rockets are dancing on your brain. Not wanting to deal with noise again, she pushed him towards the side of the hammock. Go inside before he comes back and I can't be held responsible for my actions. They stumbled into the house, managing the back door with difficulty, clumsy fingers smacking screens several times before making it to the kitchen, the quiet pushing down stuffy on their ears and need to whisper, I think your tongue is blue. Nodding, then groaning. We'll be to at least Sunday. Can you get some water? Shh, why are you yelling? Scully ignored him, remembering where the bathroom was after a moment, but still taking out a chair in the process of getting there. Mulder stumbled in before she could flush, and peed standing beside her while she washed her hands, both too whatever to care. Immediately shutting the lid, he sat down, pulling her onto his lap, burying his face in her neck. I feel terrible. As they tipped off the toilet and onto the floor, it only gets worse, believe me. Maggie found them a few minutes later, leaned on the wall, wedged between toilet and sink. Everything all right in here? That stuff should be banned, Mom. Every watch list in the world should contain Ruth's punch. Not approaching, knowing it might be best to just shut the door and leave them be. I should have cut you off earlier or watered it down a little. Mulder squinted up at Maggie. How are you not dying like we are? Decades of practice. I've been drinking that punch for the last 30 years. I know precisely how much I can drink and how long to stretch it out for. You, my innocent darlings, need time and aspirin. Throwing it out there and seeing if it's stuck. Would you like me to make you some breakfast? 
Maybe some toast to go with your aspirin. Mulder turned green, but Scully nodded. Yes, please. You wouldn't happen to have tacos hidden somewhere in the fridge, would you? No, but I do have bacon, pancake mix, and ham. Ham slabs. Half inch thick, if you'd like. Mulder pushed Scully from his lap, depositing her on the rug while he hovered over the now-open toilet, waiting to lose his stomach contents in the form of two pairs of sympathetic blue eyes. When it didn't happen, however, and the feeling passed, Mulder glanced up at them. Ham slabs? Maggie made them breakfast, burning the bacon to extra carcinogenic and slapping more butter on the pancakes than heart-healthy diet approved. Letting them eat in peace, she sat down across the table, beginning her grocery list. As Maggie turned the sheet of paper over, Scully's curiosity got the better of her. Is that your shopping list? Are you packing in for the apocalypse? Chuckling, remember, I have most of the kids for the next 10 days, so they're going to want to eat. Oh yeah, I forgot that was next week. Mulder, his head not quite so angry with him, managed to work up a semblance of inquiry. What? Charlie and Dave and the girls are going on a 10-day cruise to the Mediterranean for their anniversaries and asked if I would be able to watch the kids while they were gone. I'm getting them Sunday afternoon. Raising an eyebrow at Maggie. Either you are very brave or they drugged you into compliance. Maggie slid the list across to Scully. See if I missed anything. And yes, Fox, I am very brave indeed. Where do you think Dana gets it from? Doing her best to focus on her mother's handwriting, she gave up in a minute. I can't focus, Mom. I'm sorry. Just make sure to have an industrial jar of peanut butter and boxes of pasta, and they'll be just fine. Fingers crossed under the table. Do you need any help shopping? I can go if you'd like. As she moved to stand, Maggie patted her shoulders gently. It's Friday, honey. I think Mr. Skinner would like to have you come in to work today. Damn it. Mulder managed to do hard math and figured out, through squinting and judicious use of fingers, we have about an hour until we have to leave. We'll be late because of showers and changing, but not late enough for him to scream at us for more than five minutes. Sold. Looking up at her mom. Can we take a nap while you're gone? She waved towards the stairs. Make sure to take another aspirin and drink a glass of water with it. They made it as far as the living room couch. Mulder on his back, one foot still on the floor, while Scully scooted in beside him on her side. Her four inches of real estate enough to have her in dreamland, not 30 seconds later. Maggie took a few pictures before she left, for posterity's sake, and the fact that she adored them both. 22 minutes later, he had to pee. He fought it valiantly, but in the end, he had to extricate himself and find a toilet. While occupied, he heard a cell phone ring, and he was not pleased grumbling while he washed his hands and headed back to Scully. Cursing quietly the whole way, he saw her already on the phone. If that was Skinner, just tell him we quit. We can live on tuna and city water and have the dental school at GW clean out teeth for free. Scully found her voice, thickly coated in fear and shock. It wasn't Skinner. It's Mom. She was in an accident, and I need to get to D.C. General. Shit, I'm sorry. Hurrying over. Is she okay? What happened? Already heading towards the stairs to get his shoes on. Let's go. Standing still another moment, she managed to get her legs moving, jamming her bare feet into sneakers. As Mulder dug around for the keys, he'd set somewhere the previous night. As she locked the door behind them, 
Scully continued her narrative. They found my number in her phone. She was in a car accident and she's not awake, but they said she was stable. That's it? It's been maybe 15 minutes since it happened. Rolling his eyes and opening the car door. That's 12 minutes more than you need to figure out what was wrong and fix it. Even through her mounting panic, she slipped a half-second smile. I'm not magic, Mulder, and neither are they. Yes, you are, and they should be. Not pulling away from the curb yet, she looked at him, his eyes closed, his skin pale. Do you want me to drive? Really wanting to be the guy who took care of his girl in time of need, he nodded, his head dizzy still from the liquor. I think I might still be a little drunk. Having sobered up when she heard the word accident, she got out, switching spots with him. I wouldn't doubt it. Her hands began shaking of their own volition the closer they got to the emergency room. And taking one as they walked into the building, Mulder found it freezing, skin rough, fingers small, bones protruding. Her voice, however, was steady as she asked where Maggie was, and then followed the nurse to the curtained-off area. He vaguely listened to the scientific jargon registering a few words at a time, namely, broken ankles, plural, holy shit, broken wrist, singular, workable, dislocated shoulder on the same arm, been there, done that, doable, glass cuts to face and neck, need to get her a better car with that tempered glass crap, bruised ribs, totally need a few days rest, but that's it, and slight concussion from knocking the doorframe. If it's anything like a gun hitting to the temple, she'll need several Tylenol every four hours. Then gloriously, he heard Maggie's voice drift to his ears. Honey, I'm okay, but I think the car is dead. Scully pulled him along as she maneuvered her way towards her mother. Don't worry about it. We'll get you a new car. Mulder, overjoyed that Maggie was talking clearly, piped up from behind his partner. What happened? Between wincing as the nurse cleaned her cuts and the doctor injected her with something to put her out so he could relocate her shoulder, she managed to tell them of the red light runner that hit her just in front of the driver's door, crushing the metal and capturing her ankles between pedal and pedal and pedal and engine block housing, the door folding in on her hand, bending it back and snapping bones, and her head going through the side window. Mulder wanted to throw up a little, and Scully looked positively livid. Mulder firmly believed she would kill the other driver if she ever got her freezing little fingers around his throat. Once Maggie, midward, drifted out of consciousness due to drug induction, the doctor politely dismissed them while they re-socketed her arm. Mulder left immediately, taking Scully with him by the elbow. Now, in the hall and behind the pulled curtain, Scully turned him, dropping her forehead to his chest, deep breath rattling a contained sob, the likes of which made him want to cry himself. Sliding arms around back, he moved to her side, out of traffic, and rested his cheek atop her head. She's going to be fine. She was talking and she's going to be fine. You saw her. She's fine. Pressing firmly into his shirt, her voice cracked an octave, absorbed mostly by cotton and flesh. For fifteen minutes in my head, she wasn't, and I can't, I... The sentence stopped there, and he didn't push, knowing exactly how she felt. His fear different, but the sentiment the same. It took almost two hours for them to finish Maggie's arm, get better x-rays, cast her feet up, and then settle her in a room. By then, Scully had returned to her natural resting state of smart, sassy, and emotionally controlled. Mulder had returned to sober. Safely enclosed in the room, door closed to hospital sounds, Mulder moved a chair over beside the bed. 
why don't you sit down, and I'll go see if I can find something to snack on. I can hear your stomach growling from here. Scully moved to the end of the bed instead, giving her mother a thoroughly medical stare, sizing up injuries, competency of repair and aftercare. Mulder? Yeah? Remember that time you broke just one leg? Without difficulty, he recalled the boot wrapped around his appendage for six weeks. Yeah, I recall something about it. Imagine that on a 60-year-old woman, but triple the difficulty, and surrounded by five kids under the age of 10. Donning hit him like a freight train. I totally forgot about the kids. Did you call Charlie? Mind already churning out a plan. Yeah, he's on his way, but they want to cancel the trip. I mean, they can, but mom would kill them. I can see the hamster wheel spinning. What are you thinking? Moving to his side, she stared at her sleeping mother. I'm thinking I need to move in and take care of her, and since I'll be there, the kids can stay too. We may need more of Ruth's punch for that. Chapter 9. Preparation Maggie was not pleased. I don't need any help. I will be fine. I'll scoot around on my backside and... Scully stopped her. Mom. There is no earthly or unearthly way you are going to be able to get up and on a toilet, reach the toothpaste, eat anything other than crackers you have on the bottom shelf of the pantry, because if you try to cook, you'll burn the house down. Charlie cut her off. Mom, it's either Dana moves in, or I do. And do you really want your son helping you go to the bathroom? I mean, I will. No complaints. But just think about it for a minute. Charles. Hey, Even my full name isn't going to change my mind. It's her or me. Take your pick. Mulder seriously loved the whole family at the moment. Scully smirking beside her hunking brother. Charlie's arms crossed, eyebrow raised, mock challenging the woman who could take his ass down with one cobalt blue stare. It was the face-off of the century, and no one flinched. Maggie holding her own until Charlie dealt the final blow. I'll be cooking for you as well. Don't forget. She caved instantly, dropping her drug-addled body back to her pillows. Dana. Charlie grinned. Sorry I had to bring out the big guns. Scully poked her brother with her elbow. And you're okay with me watching your kids at mom's? Sure, just don't scare the littles with too many ghost stories. Because I know Mulder well enough to know there'd be visuals and a slideshow and they'd never sleep again. She poked him again simply because he existed and was younger than her. I don't scare them with the scientific explanations. And put them right to sleep. Good idea. His grin dropped a smirk. Science nerd. Mulder, through all this, had been watching Maggie slowly drift out of consciousness. Eyes shut, head rolling slowly to the side, nudging the two. Come on, she's asleep, and we don't want to wake her. After whispered goodbyes to unhearing ears, they took another five minutes in the hall to finalize drop-off times and other familiar nonsense before Charlie headed to work and Scully pulled out her phone, realizing they should probably tell someone in the FBI why they weren't at their desks. Mulder made it to the Hoover building by 2 p.m., heading to Skinner's office immediately, hoping to catch his boss in the forgiving mood he was when Scully had called earlier. Skinner's angry forehead vein rage told him otherwise. Yes? Sir, I was wondering if you'd like to do a quick review of the cases before I write them up, or would you like me to leave you alone for five minutes so your blood pressure doesn't burst your eyeballs? 
He really should have known not to joke at that moment, especially when he'd seen A.D. Kirsch leave the man's office moments earlier. But he did, and he paid for it by being handed four other incomplete files to deal with, and a look that told him he would be doing these files without an iota of bitching. He left unscathed. Later that evening, armed with bags of Thai food and guacamole from Henry's taco truck, he headed to her house. Having read her text stating, I need guac and spice. Help me out. He compiled, and her dinner table was soon littered with bags, boxes, and single-serving forks and cellophane, the feast waiting for her to come home from the hospital, which she did ten minutes after he walked into her living room. Taking one look at the spread, she gave him a smile that made his toes hot and his fingertips itch to touch her. You are the best text answerer ever. Cracking his knuckles, he handed her a paper plate. Have at it. It didn't take long for them to finish eating. Mulder relaying the dazzling story of his day with Skinner's forehead vein, and the now-completed files, which were sitting quietly in Skinner's inbox, ready and waiting for Monday morning. You finish files? Without me harassing you about it? Aw, and I missed it? Watching her mocking frown face, he shoved her lightly down to the cushions of her couch. I'd attack you for some lovin', but I'm tired and need a place to sleep. Settling his head on her thigh, hand wrapped around knee. I recall something about wanting to do this, but without the clothing interruption. You want to sleep on my leg while naked? Eyes closing, comfortable in the world, he snuggled her muscle for a moment. Next time. Next time wound up being 4 a.m., when Mulder got up to go to the bathroom and returned to find Scully's pants gone, Afghan covering from neck to the top of her bare legs. He smiled, dropped his suit pants, and settled in. Scully commenting once in a sleepy giggle that she had a feeling she'd be getting beard burn and the oddest of places over the next 70 years. Mulder agreed. Do you want to help me grocery shop? Do you want to stay here and mom-proof the house? Do you want to do both? Neither? Either? Mulder, having just walked in the front door to Maggie's house, stopped dead in his tracks. Mom-proof? Yeah. Move rugs out of the way, take breakables off shelves, clearing paths to bathroom and kitchen, clean counters and tables, and vacuum so she doesn't feel the need to scrub the moment I turn my back. Your mom sounds like she's going to be a sneaky handful. Smiling at him, beckoning him further than the door jam. She'll be fine, but I'd like to make this as easy as possible. Plus, with all the kids coming, we're going to have to change sheets and make beds and find a place for mom to sleep. Scully ran a hand over her face. Good Lord, what have we done? We're going to be dead by Wednesday. Mulder laughed. What's all this we talk, woman? I'm giving you 23 minutes today, and then I'm gone until this house population is down below three. Without hesitation, this we talk translates to you gave me a red M&M, so you're stuck with me and my family for the duration of the universe. He liked her an awful lot at that moment and telling her so by nudging her to the staircase and pointing a step up until she moved and could look him in the eye. He then wrapped his substantially longer arms tightly around her torso. I will shop and cook and clean and scrub and sheet and fluff and move and shift and de-rug all you want me to. Just say that whole red M&M thing again. After a lengthy kiss, she rested her forehead against him. I love you too, Fox Mulder. Not going to kiss me again until I scrub the bathroom, are you? 
not on your handsome little life. Then, to answer your original question, I would like to go grocery shopping with you, then organize the shit out of this house and cook until we have enough food to feed an army at a moment's notice. Before she pulled back, she reached around and squeezed his butt, eliciting an eyebrow raise and a jump from Mulder. That's a reminder of rewards to come. You're killing me with those hands. Two points for me. By Saturday night, Mulder was downright exhausted. He had no idea how Scully was still standing and not complaining of crushed toes, muscle aches, headaches, scrapes, cuts, and general bruising. He felt like he'd run a marathon with his eyes shut through metal piping and broken glass while she stood there in the living room, fresh and pure as a fucking spring daisy. She gave him a look out of the corner of her eye. Doing okay? Dead on your feet yet? Fell apart two hours ago. I'm now just a shell, running on automatic. Having moved clothes and other sundries there earlier in the day, she scrunched a handful of his dirty shirt in her hand, tugging him along towards upstairs. Come on, my bed awaits. He halted her with lead feet and the eyes squinting. We're sleeping on your old twin? Because she was in a weirdly tired, weirdly wired kind of move, she winked at him. I wasn't thinking of doing much sleeping at first. Well, hell, now he was all for small mattresses and their place in this world. Are you suggesting we christen your childhood bed with raunchous nakedness and bedboard-bending badness? Alliteration aside, Mr. Oxford, yes, I was thinking of doing some of that tonight. That is, if you're up for it. Simply gesturing with a finger towards the stairs, she smiled and led the way. Now, there wasn't any bedboard bending or breaking that they knew of, but there was plenty of amusement, especially when they rolled out and onto the floor. Mulder landing heavily on top. Scully groaned as Mulder tried and failed to get off her, sheets tangling around his feet and the wood floor cold on his hot skin where the rug ended. I swear, when we buy our own bed, it'll be a queen size, minimum. It'll be memory foam and have a headboard that doesn't squeak, and for love of God, it will not be anywhere near your mother's house. He suddenly didn't waste so much, Scully stopping his wiggling with her hands on his elbows. What? Mulder stilled, then realized what he said, blushing slightly, eyes dropping, mouth quirking in a, did I say that out loud, quarter smile. Nothing. Pulling herself up after he shifted for her, she settled her bare butt on the braided rug, leg over his thigh, hand on his knee. When are we buying our bed? Yeah, um, I didn't mean to say that. She kissed his chin. But you've been thinking about it, I assume. Looking at her quickly, he then ducked his head. Apparently. Going in for another kiss, this one more north than the last. Well, for future reference... I've never slept on memory foam, but I've heard good things. Now, I need to go clean up, and while doing that, I implore you not to look at the weird rug mark I now probably have indented forevermore on my right butt cheek. She could defuse a situation like nobody's business, and truly grateful he didn't ask her to marry him right then. He shut his eyes. You have four seconds, then I'm looking, and I'm enjoying. Scully scrambled up quickly, but was still standing, facing away from him, when he opened his eyes after the allotted amount of time. You aren't moving very fast there, Agent Scully. Staying still, 
Mulder's belly cinched tight as he nosed her hand by her face. Tripping once before standing, he turned her around by the shoulders, knowing what he was going to find. And he did. Her hand under her nose, blood seeping in tiny, life-draining drops between her clenched fingers. If you like this story and would like to contribute, you can do so by going to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash audio fanfic pod. As a patron, you are granted early access to one new story of your choosing per month. Thank you for listening. And remember, the stories are out there. <laughs>